This is Channel 253. Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Jenny Jacobs and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. I'm Jenny. I'm Doug. And we are the Citizen Tacoma podcast, empowering an informed electorate. I thought we were informing an empowered electorate. In in the the city city of destiny. Hi, Jenny. On today's show, we talk about Me Too and how it is touching Tacoma. I didn't do so much talking, really. I thought that wise. (laughs) Yes, uh, this might be one for dudes to just listen to. Good idea. (laughs) Uh, Everybody listen in. It's a good show. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Could you go ahead and introduce yourselves? Um, I'm Jessica Gavry. I'm Candace Rude. I'm a reporter with the News Tribune. And you, Jessica, are a human female. I'm a human female. I'm here as a human female. I, too, am a human female. (laughs) Yes. uh, I will preface this interview by saying that uh, we have a member of the press here who is always going to be impartial, but sometimes she is a human female. So I will try to make sure that I keep that in mind when asking questions. So, Jessica, get us started. Why are you here today? What happened to you? Um, Well, I, I think there's sort of like two answers to that, which is the longer answer, which is that I have experienced workplace harassment since I had my very first job. Um, As have all human females. Right. Like a human female. (laughs) Um, And I think when you, like, you know, I was 16 years old working at a grocery store and my manager was inappropriate with me. And when you, like, that is your first introduction to the workforce, I feel like you just start to normalize stuff and you Mm -hmm. start to, like, accept things and your bar becomes really low for, like, or really high, I guess. I don't know which one it would be. It's something, (laughs) like, what I will put up with and, like, how unsafe I'm willing to feel. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we just learn to manage a certain level of discomfort in our daily lives all the time. Um, And so for a long time, and in many situations, I feel like I've had inappropriate interactions with folks that I've sort of uh, shrugged off or you sort of ignore what's happening. And um, very recently, so this is now like it's been just about two decades since that first Mm -hmm. job and um, those first experiences. And I uh, was recently featured in an article in the News Tribune um, about a local legislator. And um, that kind of came about, well, it came about in a lot of ways, but um, back in 2011, David Sawyer. Yes, we're Can you pull me are. out? Can I like say his name and talk oh, about yeah. him like real? We are naming I can say and do all the things um, I want. Okay. Just for the record, we will tell our listeners that we are talking about David Sawyer. He is a House Democrat. He reps the 29th District, which is South Tacoma, Lakewood, Parkland, and Spanaway. And eight women have come forward to report incidents of inappropriate behavior. Go on, Jessica. There we go. <laughs> okay. Um, so that article, I feel like, has probably been like eight years in the works. Um, mm. Back in 2011, well, I really, I met him in 2009, and um, we kind of were, I think he volunteered on a campaign I was running a phone bank for, uh and that's it. Like, I I, mean, I I potentially saw him out somewhere, and we kind of knew each other, but I really didn't know him at all. And at some point, he had sent me a message asking for my phone number because he wanted me to come and help ballot chase um, on, a, on a local race. And he was 
maybe the chair or somehow important in the Young Democrats. So I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Here's my number. I'd love to come help. And then he never, as far as I can remember, now this has been a long time, so I could be wrong, but, like, I never went and volunteered with the Young Democrats, and I don't ever remember him reaching out to do that. But what started to happen was almost a year later, he started using my cell phone number I'd given him to text message me. And it was, like, at 11 o'clock saying things like, you know you want to come get a drink with me. Or come down to Pacific Grill, I'll get, get you some wine. Like, and I mean, what's funny is like in the article, he's kind of like, well, I just thought I was being nice. Like that was the same year I had just gotten married. We were friends on Facebook. Like, I feel like it was pretty clear that I was not looking for something else. And also like, I've got a ton of men friends and mm. none of them ever text me at 1130 at night and say, you know, you want to get a drink with me. Like, it's yeah. just not <laughs> something that happens. Yes. Um, This kind of went on for... For quite a while, and what happened was I was out, I, and I was ignoring these texts because they were embarrassing, and uh, even though I know I'm a feminist and I know I shouldn't be ashamed, I know it's not my fault, I'd get them and I'd feel really embarrassed, and I'd be like, oh my God, I must have done something, mm-hmm. I'm pretty nice, I probably smiled at him, mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Like, I had all these reasons why it must be me, like, I must have done something to give him the sing- signal that I was interested in, like committing mm-hmm. adultery with him or something, right? <laughs> so, like, I'm convinced it's me, so I'm just deleting them and ignoring them, kind of acting like it's not happening, not responding. Um, I was getting some Facebook messages during the day, and I would kind of would I'd respond in the way that, like, I was totally trained to do, which is like, oh, I'm busy right now. No, thank you, or something, yeah. like, super nice. And then eventually, like, I just stopped responding to them altogether. Um, but I'm out with a girlfriend, And we're, like, having a drink at the bar, and I just decided I'm going to tell her that this is happening, right? So I'm like, you know, I'm getting these weird messages from David Sawyer. They're really making me uncomfortable. And she, like, pulls out her cell phone and is like, me too. And we are looking at them, and they're, like, almost the same messages at almost the same times on the same days, right? Wow. um, And I'm just like, wait, what? Like, so— then it becomes, it became so much more clear then, because I think I spent a whole bunch of time thinking, well, maybe he's just nice, and I'm overreacting. Or maybe I did something that made him interpret this differently. Um, but as soon as I realized that other people are getting these text messages, it's like, no, actually, he just, like, sees no difference in any of these women. He's sending this message to multiple people, and it's really clear that, like, and at this time, I didn't know a lot of the other things that had been going on, right? So, like, at this point, it was just, like, it's very clear that at a base level, he doesn't respect women as people, And, like, my value to him is nothing more than somebody who might get a drink with him at midnight Mm -hmm. um, and potentially have sex with him or whatever, right, like his end game was. Mm -hmm. Um, And so at that point, I kind of started, like, talking to more people about it and then started finding other women that were getting these messages. So at one point back then, like, I had come across or, like, heard through friends at least of six other people getting the same messages I was getting. Now, I couldn't, like, prove that we were all getting at the same time, but it just seemed pretty likely— um, and since then, actually, as I have been able to talk to some of the other women in the article, they were getting really similar messages at, at around the same time I was, too. So it's like, oh, here's even more people that were potentially getting these same text messages. Um, at that point, he was running for office. And he approached me about, you know, he said something like, I know you're going to support me. And I was like, no, <laughs> not. But it was awkward. You know, I didn't, I at the time didn't really know what to say to him. And, I told some folks that he was sending these messages, and, like, I know all these women that are getting them. And the response, I think, at that time was sort of like, well, that's bad, but, you know, is it, like, it's not really that bad. And um, at that point, it got back to him that I was telling people, and he, like, unfriended me on Facebook, 
never spoke to me again. So, like, I'd see him at an event, and he wouldn't even interact. It'd be like I wasn't there, which is great, right? Like, I didn't want to interact with him. <laughs> that was um, your aim all right. along. <laughs> it was, leave me alone. It was really helpful. <laughs> um, but, like, but the thing that was a challenge, right, is that then he got elected to the legislature. And at the mm-hmm. time, I worked for Lori Jenkins, who's a legislator. And... You know, they both are represent Pierce County, so there'd be times where I needed to schedule meetings with him or do stuff like that. And, um, you know, this can all be my—this is all my personal interpretation of this story, but, like, I couldn't get his office to respond to me. Mm-hmm. And maybe I—you know, I could be internalizing this story, right? But it's just, like, it felt like there was a consequence. Like, I said something, and now— I can't get what I need to do my job, and mm-hmm. I can't. And I have to be uncomfortable because, like, the last thing I wanted to do was go up and talk to him. And, uh, you know, Lori knew all of this. She's a fantastic legislator and friend and the best boss I think anyone could ever have. That's the only reason why I think I even stayed in the legislature at that point was, like, mm-hmm. she wasn't going to make me go talk to him or be around <laughs> him or anything like that. But, um, But that was sort of my story, and it ended there. But over the years now, so this is, like, all still back in 2012. But over the years, like, I have I've done a lot of political work. I cannot be in a room with other women who do political work or work on campaigns without somebody having a David Sawyer story. And it's shocking because I'll bring it up to people I think would never have a David Sawyer story, and they'll start to tell me their story, right? Like, it's just—and it's sort of— like a lot of people in the legislature, I think it's just like this common secret that all people know, like all women, especially know this is happening. We're all embarrassed. So we weren't telling each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was shocking after the article came out was the mm-hmm. amount of people that reached out to me and said this happened to me, too. Wow. And um, a lot of them are my friends. And some of them were like people I would have never guessed. Like I don't even know how he could have known them. And yet he was doing the same thing and harassing them. So it just is so far reaching. Um, so a quote of his that I am, that <laughs> this is making me think of is, is from the article, as a 34 year old unmarried man, the Democrat says he sometimes tries to date within political circles because those are people who understand his life best. Given his power as a lawmaker, Sawyer said mixing politics and dating is a tricky space to operate and one he acknowledges can lead to miscommunications. That included allegations of persistent or suggestive electronic messaging, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I feel like you should not date within politics. Right. Right. I mean, I don't, but that's fine. I mean, that's just because, like, I want to be a human that has balance in my life. But I also think, for him, I think one of the challenges is... He's if he's just trying to date, which is not what I how I interpret his behavior. But if that's what you're trying to do, when you're going after people who are vulnerable to you, so mm-hmm. people who are lobbyists who rely on you to get their mm-hmm. bills passed, people who are staff in the legislature who mm-hmm. basically like legislative staff have no rights. When I worked there, it was like common knowledge that if somebody harassed you and you complained, and it was a legislator you would probably have to find another job because you can't work with them, but they can't be fired because they're a legislator. So, like, staff know they can't say anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's, like, across the board, women who are in partnerships, who are married, who are uh, married to women in relationships with women. Like, there's no discretion, but I also think that that makes people uncomfortable, right? Like, it's hard. Like, I remembered feeling uncomfortable. My husband's awesome and doesn't really care and whatever, but, like, I felt uncomfortable being like, God, this man sending me messages. Like, that's just an uncomfortable conversation to have with your partner. 
don't know where I'm going with this, but like, <laughs> but whatever, whatever, like he shouldn't. They're not his equals, right? It's mm-hmm. not like he's dating other legislators. It's like he's dating staff or campaign staff or women who are in their early 20s trying to start their careers or that yeah. he's trying to date. He's not even dating them. He's text messaging these people. The power imbalance is the important part there. Yeah. And right. something else about that, too, and this will tie in, um, we want, Candace is going to talk <laughs> in a minute. But um, So I'm kind of topic jumping here, but one of the... Um, uh, Quotes from the debacle at Bates, Mm. we will circle back and fill you in, listeners, if you don't know what I'm talking about, is his response was, to the extent any complainant suffered due to his his uninformed or unknowing actions, he accepts that his conduct must change and only wishes he was adequately advised on it sooner and given the opportunity to adjust his behavior. Like, when I read that quote, I was just like, you know what? Like it is not the the onus is not on everyone else to inform you that your behavior is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Like that, you, you don't get to say that when <laughs> when people come forward and say this made me uncomfortable ten years ago. Like it's not it's you can't turn it around and make it their fault that they didn't tell you. Like mm-hmm. I'm still allowed to be pissed off. Mm-hmm. There's the first mm-hmm. swear. I'm sorry. <laughs> is it a swear? I feel like pissed off? <laughs> is that really? Okay. Swear. Let's keep pissed off in there. Um, yeah. So. Um, so how, what was the mechanism for coming forward? Like how did, what did that look like? Um, it was sort of informal. So one of the things that's been happening that like kind of spurned this moving forward is that women in the legislature have been talking about these issues. So there's been a number of stories that have come out over the past six months or so. Um, one about Brendan Williams, who's a former representative. Um, one about Jim Jacks, who's a former representative. And like, to help understand why maybe people in 2012 didn't say anything is like both of those things happened when I was a legislative assistant to legislative assistants. So like yeah. the environment down there was like you're probably going to be sex harassed. Right. Like and and if that's all that happens to you and you're not assaulted, that's good, right? Like mm-hmm. that sort of was the environment. Um Yeah. Well, I just remember I just remember a, a quote from one of the stories, and I can't remember which one it was that Walker did with Austin Jenkins, and it was like young women aides are told do not go to after work social events, networking events because there's alcohol there, and if you're seen drinking, like it's going to be assumed that you're doing something that untoward or mm-hmm. having a relationship that's not above board. And of course, it, the, I thought that story was so interesting because the onus was on the woman to mm-hmm. not go to these networking events because she would she would be basically slut shamed for her. Right. And <laughs> Is that a do you suppose that they're giving that same advice to male interns and legislative staffers? I no, don't work down there. But they yeah. get to go out and have drinks and mm-hmm. network and increase their relationships with these people in power mm-hmm. without having to worry about being sexually harassed or having it negatively affect their careers. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and there was always this weird thing, like, um, I, like, working in the legislature was my dream job. And then I got down there, and it was really, really uh, misogynistic, and that really challenged me because I thought, like, we're going to go down and, like— make a better world and I worked for somebody who I really believe in and and who was super supportive but it was like um staff so like legislative staff are generally younger like I was in my late 20s and I was kind of old to be a legislative you know to be mm-hmm. from the break and then there's like older legislative staff but they they'd be they would go out and there'd be like legislative staff night and then members would show up and that always 
just made me, and they were male members almost always, and it just made me uncomfortable. There's so much power differential in a legislator and a staff person to have them show up at a night when, like, the staff are out drinking. So, like, I very rarely ever went out with mm-hmm. anyone because it was just so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of that same thing. It's like, well, you were out drinking. Well, the staff were out doing their thing, and these legislators showed up. But there were definitely people that, like, did that deliberately. Like, Would, showed up deliberately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were like, there oh, they've been looking, drinking for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, they were there looking for interns and young women, and Aye. it seemed very clear that that was what was going on. Was the, if I can ask a question, I guess, was the, (laughs) was the uh, overall culture, like, misogynistic, just in general, not even when you're talking about, like, after work, drinking, and that sort of thing, or or what did you experience? Uh, Like, comments, like, people calling you sweetheart and stuff like that. There was a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, There was just, like... And what's so interesting is it's so ingrained in the fiber down there that, it, like, it's not just that, like, legislators were harassing. It's, like, staff that were my equal said things that made me uncomfortable pretty regularly, made comment. I mean, I had, like, one person who sat next to you say, oh, you've kind of got a Betty Page thing going on. And I'm, like, why? Like, you realize that she was a pinup right. person. Like, yeah. I'm at work in a professional outfit. Right. What are you saying? Or another person that had come up to me and said, well, there's a rumor that we're sleeping together. I'm, like, I don't even know you. I've actually never hung out with you. Why would you say that, right? So, like, even staff, male staff, I think, bought into this in some ways. And it was sort of like a good old boys club. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, male staff are supposed to go out and have drinks and do all these things. And women, you were just sort of, I mean, granted, lots of people went out and had a really good time. But you were constantly on guard. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was just ingrained in the culture down there Mm -hmm. and exhausting really like at the end of the day I was really happy to come back and work for a nonprofit because I was like this is just too much to kind of take in all the time it's interesting that you said that because across my career there have been two instances where I was accused of sleeping with a politician and just because they didn't like my coverage it was when I lived in New York and was working for Newsday and the, the rumor just starts and it just gets away really quickly and I was like I haven't ever even seen this person outside of like council chambers <laughs> and right. but that sort of thing is it's just a power it's just diminishes you as a woman mm-hmm. completely so and something that typically males don't have to deal with at all you know, right. there's a far fewer stories of males sleeping with female legislatures that you know just to ruin their careers right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yes so I did a bit of reading of Me Too coverage before this uh, interview, and one of the quotes that stuck out to me was um, New York Times reported, um, this was after some of the Uber stuff, um, a big chill came across Silicon Valley in the wake of all these stories, and people are hyper aware and scared of behaving wrongly. So I think they're drawing all kinds of parameters, said a venture capitalist who spoke anonymously. Some are avoiding solo meetings with female entrepreneurs, potential recruits, and those who ask for an informational or networking meeting. So, women are apparently dangerous, explosive items in the <laughs> workplace now that I potentially have the ability to ruin your career. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's a thing. And that's not fair either because then we're, we're, yeah, as you said, we're kind of like these bombs waiting to go off or something. So, I wonder if that affects our opportunities and, mm-hmm. you know, in kind of the opposite way. Like, people don't want to seem like they're even remotely going to sexually harass you so they just completely don't talk to you and yeah you don't get a chance to have other opportunities or yes you know. and unfortunately still most 
positions of power in almost all corporations across all industries are still held by men, and now women can't get mentorships because mm-hmm. that's inappropriate if a age and power differential is there in the relationship. Right. Doug, were you trying to say something? I wasn't, but I'm just struck by the sort of nuances and the complexities of all this. I mean, as a guy just listening to this conversation. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> I Thanks am. for being I mean, an ally. <laughs> no, no, the idea of the idea of I can't go out and have a drink in a social situation with these people because this would be the perception that I could that I'm in danger of mm-hmm. of unfairly procuring is 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 just kind of mind blowing, you know. Mm-hmm. I sort of think the thing that I've said and I say a lot is like um, the men in my life know what like I'm really clear about what's okay and what. Like, if if you can hug me, you know. Like, we have that yeah. relationship. And it's what I think is so... I, th- I think was really clear about the incident with David Sawyer and other things I've experienced. It's like, it's people who don't have that that connection to me. They're people I'm not friends with. They're people I don't I don't have any sort of relationship with. Um, but, but then it's like, well, he was just trying to be friendly or something. So it kind of creates that that um, idea that people have to be worried. But I think at the, at the end of the day, like, if you are... Engaging with people in the relationship you're in, it's not an issue. The issue is that is when you're doing something that is deliberately to make someone uncomfortable mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. try to gain something, power or right. something else. I don't. So I interviewed or uh, emailed. What's, what's his name? Uh, Jim something upon the uh, chief communications. Um, person for the House Democrats to find mm-hmm. out what's going on and did not get a response. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you surprised he still seems to be in office? Nobody's calling for him to step down? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's sort of, I mean, not actually, I'm not surprised. Let me, um, like, Representative Manweller recently had some allegations come out against him. And the leadership in the Democratic Party, who are men, were like, we need him to step down because he's a Republican, right? Like, he needs to step down. Mm. He's inappropriate. And it's like, funny how silent you are Mm -hmm. when it's someone in your own party and when it's it's a male who's a Democrat. It's funny that there's not been... And great, there's a couple weeks left of session. I still think there's a chance for something to happen. But at the same time, it's like... We're so fast. They were so fast to say a Republican needed to step down, but when it's in the in in the Democratic Party, it's sort of been brushed off. Right Ugh, on the national level too, me. especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, silence. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's also this whole, oh well, it's not that bad. Like everyone thinks of worst case scenario being like Harvey Weinstein. Oh, so it's not you know, it's not Harvey Weinstein, but it's mm. still a behavior that makes you un- uncomfortable and is a man in a position of power. Behaving that way to a subordinate female, right? Mm-hmm. So, I just feel because, of course, I am a human female, so I have my own <laughs> <only> two <laughs> stories <laughs> that I think that um, an incident that happened to me that we don't need to get into. It's not a big deal. It's not a, it, like and listen to me, like talking it back. Right. But like, yeah, actually, you're like <laughs> if it's like I feel like you have to be. I mean, if you if you didn't get you know, raped or, like, brutally physically assaulted, then there's all these, like, qualifying questions that go along with it. Like, he's just trying to date you. Like, all of this this justification, right? But the thing that happened to me was not that big of a deal. But I had all the same feelings of 
what did I do to encourage this? Why didn't I stab him with a fork? Why, you know, like all of the like same self-doubt, all these questions that you give yourself, whether regardless of where the incident occurred on the Mm -hmm. spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's like, did you text him back? Oh, if you did, you're like, yeah, uh, allowing it to happen, right, or something. Or it's like, no, I texted him back because it's a person I have a daily relationship with who I need to uphold that relationship with or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to talk about a different (laughs) dirtbag. Okay. I didn't call him (laughs) dirtbag. This is Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 sister show, The Nerd Farmer Podcast. Channel 253 is brought to you by Alaska Airlines. But here's the God's honest truth. I'd be telling you how great they were, even if they weren't sponsoring our podcast. If anyone from Alaska is listening, please don't take me up on that. But really, I've been singing the praise of Alaska for a long time, ever since I started flying them regularly. I discovered Alaska is definitely the airline for me. I don't go to travel sites. I don't shop around. I stick with the hometown airline. I like their mileage plan. I like direct flights. I like their efficient service. I like their flight attendants who are really friendly. I like their craft beers. And so help me, I love that cheese plate. The next time you want a great cheese plate at 30,000 feet, go to alaskaair.com and reserve yours today. And if you need to fly somewhere, they can probably help with that too. I'm Nate Bowling, Alaska Airlines MVP, and I fly Alaska. We're back. So, um, one of the reasons that we have Candace here, not only because she's a human female who has experienced these things, is that she is a reporter at the News Tribune, and she's been covering a story about the president of Bates. Can you kind of give us a roundup of what's going on there? Yeah, so in November... um, an employee, a staff member at Bates, filed a formal complaint against the president, Ron Langrell, who's been there since 2012, um, saying that she was walking down the hall and ran into him. She's in her statement. She says she's about like five feet tall. He's six, seven, I believe. So she was walking down the hall, ran into him. And she says that he said, oh, it's you. I didn't know who that beautiful woman was with the sexy legs and then hugged her. She says that he kind of stepped into her path and kind of forced her into a bear hug. And then she, you know, left and she was so shaken by the incident that she wrote a formal complaint and gave it to the HR director. Her supervisor said she took the next day off work, had a panic attack that night. Um, And there is some surveillance video of the hug and the hug looks cordial. You can't hear what's being said. Um, But then again, you... after there is there's another like 30 seconds later there's another surveillance video where she's coming out of a door that she had just entered and she's kind of going all all around like fidgeting looking really nervous walking the wrong direction looking down the hall to see if anyone's coming and so so she filed this complaint she was said she had a panic attack um this kind of launched an investigation that was done by an independent investigator I think 28 people were interviewed, 25 were current staff or faculty at the college, and several women said that he frequently gave them unwanted hugs or made comments about their physical appearance. Uh, One woman I interviewed, and um, she was also interviewed by the investigator, said that he would call her sexy and beautiful and, and say, you know, if... I could get a picture of you on a bus. We could get a lot more Latino students at our school and just make comments like that. And Mm. um, so there was kind of that part to it where he was making comments and giving people unwelcome, what they said were unwelcomed hugs. And 
There was also some verbal abuse. People said that he was ins- he would insult them in meetings in front of other people. He would throw his shoe at people occasionally in meetings. Yeah. Um, there were a couple times where he just really tore people down, and they were insulted by it, I guess. So it was kind of a broad-ranging um, investigation. But what happened was he was put on administrative leave, and he's been on administrative leave for over a month, paid leave. And the it seems from what the board voted on last week that he's going to keep his job. He's going to get some sort of discipline from the Title IX coordinator, which I don't think has been handed down yet. I've requested uh, information on it, but haven't received any yet. Um, looks like he's going to come back. And it, it, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people after that decision who work at the college and say that makes them very uncomfortable because— they have all spoken out. Exactly. Then they, a lot of them said that they were very f- afraid of, re- of retaliation. And so we didn't use any names, obviously, in our report. But these people are easy to identify if you work within the college. I mean, you yeah. know who they are. Yeah. So, or, you know, anyone working there knows who they are. So. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he had never had any previous formal complaints or anything yeah. in his file. And so I think reading your article, it was very clear to me that the whole like commenting on appearance thing is just something that he does all the time. Right. And I feel like if there is anyone listening who might be like uh, <laughs> investigating their own behavior and the own their comments that they may have made while meaning to women in the past, like I feel like a general rule is do not comment on people's appearance. Yes. Don't. I mean, it's, I'm sorry that we live in a world where you can't say someone looks nice today. I mean, maybe you can. You can say you look nice today. But that's pretty much it. Right. And and you should always make comments. About, if you're going to make comments about people's appearance, like ask yourself if you'd make that same comment about a man. Right. You know, like, are you commenting on the suits that the, your male staff are wearing? Are you commenting on the weight gain or loss of your male staff members? Mm-hmm. Are you commenting on your male staff members pregnancy status, right. you know, or whether they're having kids? You know, like it's. Even it's a, not that hard. Right. Even someone who was kind of – and there were definitely people in the report who were, I think he's a great boss. I don't have any problems with him. Like, you know, yeah. I, I think he's a great leader. But even they were like, you know, some like one of one person who works with him really closely said in the investigation report, he frequently compliments me when I wear makeup. He says I look nice when I wear makeup, like that sort of thing. Yeah. Or like he commented on a woman's weight loss after her gastric bypass surgery and just commented on someone's weight gain after they had a child. And and they weren't com- they weren't necessarily complaining about that, but they, you know, just factually yeah. reported yeah. that mm-hmm. that's what he said. Right. Mm-hmm. Being a human female does not invite you to make (laughs) comments about my appearance. Like, ah. Yeah. I I just cut you off. What were you saying? Well, one of the things that struck me about this story is that, and I think, and, and even when we're talking about the other story, too, is, like, I think the worst thing we can do right now, like, we're in this place right now where women are coming forward and they're talking about what's making them uncomfortable. And they're, they're, like, asking for help. Like, we always say, like, you should tell. Why didn't you tell someone? And then... I think the worst thing we can do right now is say, if you come forward and do this thing that feels scary, there's going to be no consequences and you're going to have to go back to work and that guy's going to be your boss again. Or if you want to get your bill passed, you're going to have to go and talk to him because you're a lobbyist or whatever that is. But the other thing that I've noticed and I noticed on this was um, 
for example, there is a, you know, there's two women on our city council. The day this story came out, one of the female city council members posted a picture of her and him hugging yeah. and said, it's such a tough job. He's done doing such a good job. Right. And it's like... Hold up. Who did that? Lillian, Lillian Hunter. Hunter. Hmm. I mean, about within... Representative Sawyer or... No, about... About uh, uh, Girl, yeah. yeah. Like, a picture of them hugging him in her campaign t-shirt, made it her cover photo, and said something like, wow, uh, he's worked so hard. And it just, like, infuriated me so much. Because here we have this woman leader Dang. in our community who just basically said she doesn't believe you. Right. And it hasn't happened to me, so. Right. Right. Um, and this is the problem is, like, we're telling women, if you come forward, we're going to believe you. And we're going to stand with you. And we're going to—because it's— it's scary. It's uncomfortable. Like, it's mm-hmm. embarrassing. I'm embarrassed talking right now to you yeah. guys, like, mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but why would somebody come forward next? Why would the next person come forward and say what, you know, and tell someone what's happening? Mm-hmm. If the answer is, if you come forward, like, it's going to be in the paper. And, like, some people have said some nice things to me on Facebook. And I got some great support. But, like, now it's over. Mm-hmm. And he's still in his position. Like, that's. And. Your your identity is victim now, right? Like that, I feel like that is like a really big kind of issue that I have thought about and struggled with. Is that um, I'm a strong, powerful feminist woman. Mm -hmm. Like I, but that this happens to strong, powerful feminist women who don't want victim as their identity, right? So it's not you don't want to speak out because then you have to you have to take that on, right? I think I was thinking about this a lot when I was writing that story that, I mean, people were even, we didn't even name anyone, didn't even say what they did at the college, and people were still like, I'm going to be identified by this, and this is so, it's so hard to come forward. I mean, this behavior didn't just start apparently in November. I mean, apparently, some people who were interviewed said it's been going on for years and years and years, and they, and one woman said, I just didn't. I didn't want to make a fuss. I didn't want to jeopardize my career. I have young kids and, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want, I don't, I went to a lawyer and he said I didn't have enough to really have a case. And so, of course, women aren't going to come forward and under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Lord. Um yeah, one of the things that I, I actually posted this on Facebook today as part of my International Women's Day. It's International Women's Day for this conversation. <laughs> um, is I don't know if you've seen this article that went around. It was a Medium article about um, if you are confused about how to treat a woman in the workplace, can pre- pretend she's the rock. So while navigating professional relationships can often require that dreaded thing known as work, there is hope. You see, by following this one simple rule, you too can interact with women as people. It's as clear cut as this. Treat all women like you would treat Dwayne The Rock Johnson. (laughs) I know this sounds weird, but trust me, this is a visualization exercise that will work wonders in your dealings with the women in your workplace. When a woman approaches you, just replace her in your mind with The Rock, then behave accordingly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. I just feel like it's not that hard, right? Yeah. Why does it have to be so hard? Yeah. And when the the woman who complained, who originally uh, wrote the complaint against the Bates president, one of the things in her report that she said to the investigator was, I couldn't believe he was doing this with what's going on in the news media mm-hmm. right now around sexual harassment. So maybe it's just that a lot of a lot of people don't see that behavior mm-hmm. as problematic. I don't. Yeah. yeah. And the hugging. I mean, 
I feel like that's that's a big part of it. Like like apparently he had a hugging problem. Yeah, and frequent hugs. Apparently. Don't don't hug people who are your subordinates. That's another rule, I think. Like yeah. I don't think like, I've ever had a boss hug me. <laughs> I know, right? Like that's not it is, mm, physical touching that they don't feel that when there's a power differential is probably a bad idea. I just think too, like I really like I don't buy because I know a whole bunch of men that I interact with on the, a daily basis all the time who are able to interact with me appropriately. I just don't buy this idea that these men are doing these things and they just don't know. They're mm-hmm. just being friendly. Like, they just yeah. don't get it. Like, to me, I think that there, there is more to that and there's more mm-hmm. to the power differential and there's something that they're getting out of behaving like this because a whole bunch of men in the world— are able to function with women, work with women, have relationships with women, and treat them respectfully. So I just, like, I just think there's, like, sort of this cop-out happening where we're like, well, he just doesn't know he shouldn't hug people. And it's like, I think he does know that. Yeah. I believe he knows that. Mm -hmm. I have to believe that. Well, and another part of your article was um, some allegations someone made about some, uh, and it was a male, about some back rubs, that he, like, gave somebody a back rub in front of all of these other, like, presidents of colleges, and and his interpretation was that he was trying to put him in his place. Mm. Like, yeah, just kind of physically intimidating him with his size and, yeah, like, laying hands someone on someone. Yeah. 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 Ugh, that's gross. Um so, Candice, as someone who probably consumes a lot of media as part of your job, um, what would you say—how how do you think that the media in general is handling this moment, and what are your thoughts on that? That's a good question. Um, I think there is a level of fatigue that's starting to set in, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, when I first started reporting this story— it was kind of initially met with a shrug, and it still kind of is. And be, and because it's the whole well, the behavior's not that bad. He didn't assault any. He's not he's not accused of assaulting anyone or anything yeah. like that. Um, I think it is harder to get people interested in these stories when it's not very like intense allegations of abuse and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> I. I mean, I think Walker and Austin have been doing a great job covering from that end because I don't think a lot of people knew what was going on in Olympia. I mean, I guess you you think like if you watch House of Cards, you yeah. kind of <laughs> guess that that's like the the climate, but you don't realize that it's like in Olympia, Washington, these same things are happening. Um, but that's a good question. I'm sure there's a next there's a next step to this somehow mm-hmm. that needs to be taken and. I guess it is being taken in some ways, but I feel like, I mean, we've been re- we've been talking about this as a society at least since October very intensely, and I mean, not much people get fired, but not yeah. much else seems to happen. I mean, we've we've almost made more progress on guns since the <laughs> yeah. since the Parkland shooting. You know, it just seems like not a lot has really changed. Something I wondered about when it comes to being a reporter as well as a human female (laughs) is that um, it is your job to investigate accusations. Mm. But I wonder if that's a sensitive thing because, I mean, are you having to say things like, well, what were you wearing, you know, like when you're investigating an accusation? Right. Um, Yeah. I I mean, one woman I spoke to in the story I, I mean, I'd kind of be like, she would say, oh, well, I refuse to meet with him 
with the door open or or, or, or with the door closed because he wanted to meet with the door closed. And I was like, well, like, was anyone else in the room? Like, and you do, unfortunately. And I was like, oh, and she, and she said, oh, there's another person um, who, who witnessed something he said to me once that uh, I believe was interviewed. And I was like, well, can I get his name? I need to double check yeah. what you're telling me. Yeah. Um, and she's like, why? Why do you need to talk to him? And because then, then she is, yes. assumes that I don't believe her. Right. And it's like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm a journalist. I have to, yeah. you know, I mean, it's our job to double, triple, million times check everything from every possible angle, especially with a story like this, which can ruin people's lives. Um, and I mean, it's like the, uh, the sting. Oh, my gosh, I can't remember. But a couple months ago, the Washington Post, like, Oh, that group. I can't remember their name, but they tried to lure the Washington oh, Post yeah, into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. With that woman who claimed that she'd been. It was a Roy Moore thing. I yeah. Think. Right. Yeah. That she'd been right abused by Roy Moore and it, the whole thing fell apart. But I mean, that stuff, that stuff does. They were trying happen. to trap the Washington Post mm-hmm. into reporting on this fake Roy Moore story to discredit the other women who had accused him. Exactly. Which is just gross and, <laughs> and crazy. <good> him <laughs> for like. <laughs> Figuring it out. Exactly. Like, sorry, can't cho- can't trick the Washington Post. Right. And I would never Democracy think that dies in that. darkness. Right. That's what they tell us. <laughs> True. <laughs> and you don't you don't ever think someone's going to do that, but you do always back check their story a lot if you can, mm. yeah, where you can. <laughs> oh, that's tough. Um, what else should we cover, ladies? Like, what should I have asked you? What what do you have anything like any kind of like. I just want to make sure that I said this thing because you're the one that's like bravely just striking out here. And I do want to say, for the record, like, girl, I mean, every time somebody else comes forward, I know that you probably don't want to be called brave, but like, <laughs> I think every time somebody comes forward, it really it changes the atmosphere mm-hmm. even just a little bit so that the next person can come forward more easily. So mm-hmm. thank you for your bravery. Especially with using your name. That's, I mean, yeah. especially as a journalist, that's so huge. Well, and I think that that was a um, big piece of that story is it's really hard to have um, a bunch of anonymous sources mm-hmm. saying things happened when you, you know, like, I mean, it took them, and, Walker and Austin Jenkins were so kind to me. Like, I don't know. I don't know what everyone else's experience was. Mine was really positive. I talked to them multiple times. And, like, they'd have to ask me questions. They'd be like, we know. We just, I just have to ask you this. Because, you know, they were trying. You know, I think it must be really hard to be like. And I was like, it's okay. You can ask me why I didn't tell them to stop. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, that was one of the things I, I, I don't know yeah. why. Like, there's this big. Yep. I've got a big, thoughtful explanation for why I didn't tell them to stop. I don't have, like, a concise mm-hmm. response. Um, but I think the and challenge feeling, was... Like I was saying, right. is the same feeling you have to have whether or not you were, like, you know, groped or something. You know, it's right. the same right. thing. The same feelings and thought processes and what's my fault and why didn't I do this and all that kind of stuff. Is well, and like, am I making too time. big of a deal out of this? Mm-hmm. Am I gonna... Am I saying something that's gonna potentially hurt someone because I interpreted it wrong? Like, I think all of those are things you sort of go through. And what it took for me was... Um, being able to connect with some of the other women in the story who are anonymous and being able to have conversations with them. And, like, we're on the phone with each other telling the same stories. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, that was really powerful to me. Um, and I think that if we want to keep to keep creating spaces where women come forward is helping women find other people who've had the same experience and, yeah. like, know what it's going to feel. Like, I asked um, 
I was able to call and ask other people, like, hey, what's going to happen when I put my name in the newspaper? Mm-hmm. Is anyone going to be mean to me? Like, who should I be? You know, like, those kinds of things. Because you, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never done this. So um, I think that's been really helpful. But I just think it's hard. It's really hard. And for, like, for all the women in the story that I was a part of, like, I totally understand why they need to be anonymous. Like, I agree that they need to be anonymous. I'm concerned about them. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. So we have to change the story of, like, do we believe women even if they're not, even if it's not safe for them to put right. their name in the paper? Like, I'm lucky. I work at a nonprofit. I don't, I don't have any concerns. Did you talk with your employers before this happened? I did. I told, um, the, I told my boss and made sure that if she wanted to, she could tell the board. Because I mostly just didn't want anyone to be surprised right. by it. Mm-hmm. Like, I called my, I, I called my dad and was like, hey. <laughs> Actually, I called my stepmom. I was like, I don't want to tell my dad this. And it's not that it's bad. It's just like, I don't want you to open up the newspaper mm, yeah. and see your daughter in there telling some, you know, talking about being sex harassed. So, like, there was a lot of things I didn't realize I should think about that, like, luckily people helped me through that process. And um, I had really good friends. And my best friend was there with me through all of it and, like, helping advise me because I was, like, kind of crazy. You know, I was just stressed out and crazy, and he was, like, responding to people for me and stuff, which is nice. But I think having support, I don't know, maybe that's where I'm getting at with all this is, like, support. And then also just, like, having support from your community is so important. And when people are in power, women are in power, Mm. and they hear about these things, like, not— publicly, you know, shaming those people, right? Yeah. Like, don't make a Facebook post. Maybe say nothing. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. Yeah. It's been a really interesting experience. Like, I've, I, it's really weird, but it's good. Would you do it again? Absolutely. Did you get any sort of, like, terrible feedback from anyone? No. I had, like, some people say things to other people, like, mm. oh. She might be ruining his life or something. But, like, then those friends sort of, like, responded in the way that's really appropriate. That's like, actually, I I don't believe that. And she's telling the truth. And there's eight other women, you know, or seven other women that are part of this. And there's a lot more than that that I think most of us in this community know exists Mm -hmm. that we just have sort of ignored. Um, But for the most part, I mean, I think the thing that sort of is weird that I still haven't really figured out was, like, the silence of some people was actually more alarming than the, like, people that maybe said things like, oh. She's yeah. overreacting. It was, like, the silence of some people that I thought were my really good friends who, like, you know, you could just tell they didn't want to get involved in this. But Right. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting fair. point. <laughs> I, yeah, I worry about that with sources, that they'll just be shredded, you know, once something like that comes out. And so I'm glad to hear that sounds like you, those are mostly, you know, good response. I had far more support mm-hmm. and, like, overt support than I did anybody saying anything. That was upsetting to me and um, had really good friends that were just like, yeah, don't read the comments. Right. And, uh, you know, Never read the comments. Never. Don't read the comments. Never read and the comments on the News Tribune. <laughs> and, you know, no matter what manage. the article is about. <laughs> right. It is true. Like, I've never Doesn't read it. I've never no. read It could be a about the daffodil section. parade right. and you're still going to get pissed off if you read those comments. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Candace, what mm-hmm. is going on now? You say he's keeping his job. It looks like it. I mean, I, so the last thing we heard was that uh, the Title IX coordinator for the college is going to hand down some sort of discipline, which I don't know what it is yet. I mean, it could be <laughs> training of some sort. I don't know. And um, he can choose to accept that and 
adhere to it and stay at the college, or I guess he, he could stays to leave. at the college and continues to collect over two hundred thousand dollars a year as his salary. Yeah, mm-hmm. I believe he makes two hundred two. Yeah, nice, mm-hmm. nice. And Sawyer is still in office, and no He's one is calling for him to step us. down. Uh, the last thing, though, I heard How was that he can't talk to staff. He can't right. interact with yeah. staff, which is. I mean, when I worked there, the person that couldn't interact with staff was Pam Roach. So, like, I think it says something about the, <laughs> about the seriousness of that. But, um, I mean, I still have hope. I still have hope yeah. that more will happen. Mm. It's good to still have hope on International Women's Day. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Well, thank you, ladies, for coming. It's a really good conversation. I really appreciate your voices as um, experts in the field, but also as human females. <laughs> I'm a human female first. Right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One more thing, guys. Uh, there's an important event coming up, and Jessica's going to tell us about it. Um, so I've been working with um, some other women in the community to put together an event that will be at Black Kettle. It's going to be on Tuesday, March 13th at 6 p.m. And it's just going to be sort of an open space to come to have conversation about harassment folks are have experienced or are experiencing in the workplace. Um, maybe brainstorm what would be helpful for people. So, like, what would help people come forward? What kind of support do people need? And then also see if there's next steps we want to take as a group. So I would encourage anyone, whether you just want to come and listen or you want to come and talk to somebody, I'm going to be there and a bunch of other cool women. So it'll be a space to have that conversation. Great. I'll be there. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us. Thanks. Keep speaking out. Thanks so much for listening to Citizen Tacoma Podcast today. We are part of the Channel 253 Network, where you can also find the Move to Tacoma Podcast, as well as the Nerd Farmer Podcast. And the Flounders B-Team, Crossing Division, and Taco Man Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us about anything you've heard on the show today, or if you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic, maybe there's something you've been wondering about that maybe we can investigate for you, please contact me at jennyjacobs253 at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at Citizen Tacoma. Citizen Tacoma podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Jenny Jacobs and I fly Alaska. To book your next flight, go to alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.